from the number one convention, sports, and entertainment destination in the world. I'm your host, Parker Hendricks, and this is The Authorcast. Welcome back to The Authorcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. Momocon, one of the Southeast's largest anime, comic, and gaming conventions, makes its return after a two-year absence to the Georgia World Congress Center on May 26th to the 29th. To discuss this event, I am joined by the co-chair, Chris Stuckey. As always, thank you for listening and supporting the Authorcast. All episodes are currently available on gwcca.org backslash theauthorcast, and the newest episodes can also be found on Apple and Spotify. And now, my interview with Chris Stuckey. I've, I've, I've seen MomoCon in our building and, and, and seen the growth that you've had through years. I want to kind of a little know about your background, how you got started into this. Sure. So for MomoCon, uh, it was actually started uh, back in 2005 um, by Jessica Merriman. Uh, Jess was the president of the Georgia State Anime Club. And which was called Anime Otaku, which is a pun on the word otaku, if you didn't know. Uh, so this was the anime club at Georgia Tech that started it. And I came in as a freshman that year and joined the club and got involved in year one of MomoCon. I was actually kind of helping run like a video room, you know, something very basic. So Because I wasn't involved in any of the pre-planning for the first year. Uh, I got involved a little more deeply when I became president of the anime club a few years later. Uh, and I kind of started taking over a lot of the roles of the admin responsibility and control of the event, and that continued to increase. Um, and uh, I kind of created the uh, the corporate entity that was MomoCon a few years after the event had been going on because it started at maybe like in 2005, 700 people. Uh, by you know the fourth year, we had nearly five thousand people attend the event. It grew really fast. Um, but at this stage, it's still in Georgia Tech, and we're not actually charging attendees anything because the campus is helping subsidize the cost okay. space and, and whatnot. Uh, and you know, the AV is even in the rooms. You know, like the projectors are in the classrooms. You can just throw up, watch anime on a classroom wall, whatever. You know. Uh, very easy to do. And, you know, our audience is primarily anime and video game based. We haven't really branched out too much from there at this point. Um, a few years later, I, um, again, mentioned president of the anime club, start taking over more responsibility and later incorporate MomoCon. And as uh, things continue, uh, you know, I'm working on the event, you know, it's kind of like a side job, if you will, up yeah. until maybe like 2000 and, um, 2000. 2010, 2011 time period. And I'm working on it with Jess. Um, and uh, the two of us are uh, kind of like, you know, handling different roles and responsibilities for the event. I'm sure, uh, you know, event organizers, you know, try to handle everything. But, you know, what I tend to do is handle all of the contracts, logistics, prep work, and manage uh, teams that were kind of responsibility for those kind of aspects of the event itself, while Jess focused on a lot of the branding um uh for the event the the programming and the content piece so uh that's kind of how it was broken down for a few years um and uh in 20 uh 2012 we actually had our uh first event at the hotels downtown 
uh, the partner hotels, the Hilton Atlanta. Uh, technically, the Marriott Marquis was first, then the Hilton Atlanta, and then it was the Marriott and the Hilton. It was this time that we continued to grow. Uh, and I think the last year we were in the hotels, we had about 14,000 people. What was clear was that if we wanted to continue down this path, we might follow the trajectory of another event in Atlanta, DragonCon, which uses multiple of the downtown hotels. But that's not what we kind of had envisioned for the event. What we wanted for the event was to have um, more companies out, more exhibitors in the industry, uh, have more content, have more space um, than just is provided in the hotel world specifically. Uh, and so we actually started negotiating with the Congress Center um, before our last year uh, in the hotels was done. And so we actually were able to um, kind of start that process. And um, by 2015, we actually negotiated a rate that worked for us for the 2015 event, I should say. Uh, and we actually moved to the Congress Center. Uh, we actually didn't know we would be able to afford the Congress Center, to be perfectly honest, for the while. And uh, we managed to come in and, and make a pretty good arrangement that wasn't you know, too much of a change um, over the hotels. You know, obviously, there was definitely increased cost in rental. Um, as any event organizer will know, you know, you, either, you, if you sell enough hotel rooms, you're not generally paying much for the medium space, if anything. And then as a change, and as something that we had to transition over and transition away from, but it worked out really well because what we saw in the first year where that we were in the Congress Center in 2015 was that we had grown uh, by about 6,000 attendees. And if we had had that much growth in the hotels, uh, we would have not been able to handle that. I mean, quite frankly, we just would not have worked out. And uh, we had the, you know, ability to have a much larger and contiguous floor space and exhibitors. And it was much more spacious, not stuffing a bunch of exhibitors in a hotel ballroom. Uh, and so that was our first year in the Congress Center. Um, and obviously, we've been in the Congress Center since 2015. And uh, in 2022, we will be in uh, moving from Hall A, where we've been previously, to Hall B. And we use all of the space. Uh, we use all the space in Hall A and we're using all the space in Hall B. So it's, it's quite a big growth jump for us in 2022. Yeah, that's a that's a large that's a pretty large footprint. So, y y you know, y'all have grown. I mean, how, how many did you say the first year that you guys had? up? We had about 700 people. Attending. Yeah. And now you're what's your numbers for this year? Well, um, we we were hoping in 2020, before obviously COVID happened, that we would have around 45,000 unique. Yeah, we had yeah. about 39,000 in 2019. It is really hard to estimate as an event organizer what the attendance is going to yeah. be like going in. There's a combination of rollovers and uh, what we've seen across the, the board in the industry is a lot more people make decisions last minute. So with that, with that growth that you guys have had, is that is that due to you guys being unique in the in the fan culture marketplace, or was it just this is this is a different audience than what uh, is out there in the market, or what what kind of what do you attribute that you know rapid, well, that is rapid growth? I mean that's a big number. Yeah, well, there was really three things that I attribute the the growth for. We we were able to provide um, something in the calendar for this the part of the year we were. In the spring for the longest time around march and we eventually did move to memorial day weekend in may 
Um, that had a lot to the move had more to do with the fact that there was just difficulty in arranging hotels and venue space on a non-holiday weekend to the size that we needed. I mean, that's grow, growing problems, right? You know, when you uh, when you're not needing, you know, two thousand hotel room nights or two thousand hotel rooms uh, and and event space. Uh, you kind of lose a lot of the options. You have, you know, uh, you have to compete in a more expensive time window and things like that when you're trying to to event planning. So we moved to Memorial Day weekend uh, in order to to you know make that work both with the Congress Center and in the neighboring hotels because because we're not a business event, we're we're a consumer facing event, and so we can be on a holiday weekend without without problems, which I know is a big concern for a lot of traditional events. Yeah. Uh, but again, our growth to answer that question, you know, we were in a time of year that was good, which I was, was starting off with, I guess. Uh, we, we had a good time of year because the other end of the calendar had other events that were already busy. There wasn't anything in Atlanta at this side of the calendar. Keep in mind, there are fandom events, multiple fandom events every single weekend in the entire country. Like you, you, you can probably find no less than five or six happening at the same weekend and sometimes a lot more. Um, and so from that, we, we do have competition, but being early on the calendar meant we were able to pull in the Atlanta region for, for us. And uh, that provided to the Atlanta community. That was great, but a lot of people didn't know about us. A lot of people only saw us as an anime convention when we were you know, more broad than that, but we weren't as broad as something like a dragon con. And, um, but what we started figuring out was that a lot of events, they don't do marketing. They don't do ads. And we were really super early on the social media front. So we were very effective at finding people online that were interested in fandom activities, cosplay, sharing anime, playing video games, doing video game tournaments, uh, and we were able to reach them through social media. And this is back in 2005, before there really was a term for social media. When we first started, we, we you know, started. And then we started actually having money to start doing advertising by like maybe 2011. Okay. Um, and we continued to grow our advertising budget and be more effective at reaching people. And advertising was one of the biggest differentiators for us compared to a lot of other events. Um, you know, and successful marketing at that. And so we, we managed to grow a lot, I think for that. And then the move for the Congress center in 2015, I think over the years that we had been, we had, you know, maybe piqued people's interest to come back again. They were a little bit concerned about how credit it was in 2014 yeah. and 2013. And then people were kind of interested in the idea of more space. And so we saw an increase and did marketing and, had, you know, just hit at the right time. Yeah, that's great. So with that, you know, you talk about using the Congress Center. So that that conversation came up with because you needed more space, essentially. Yeah, we were pretty crowded and we could have added another hotel or more floors within the hotel, but it'd be less optimal because of the way that the space and some of the hotels worked out. Uh, and so that was the reason we were having the conversation. We, we could have realistically probably been in the hotels for a few more years, but it would have been a problem if we didn't have another hotel and we added 6,000 people like we did in 2015. Um, but that was a big factor for us was we needed more space. And we also wanted 
not again to have vendors in a, in a ballroom. Yeah. I, so I, um, I, I also handle the social media here at the Congress Center, and I, I, I would say, out of the out of the most of the shows um, that come here, um, your audience is one of the more active that we see on our channels, and I think a lot of it seems to be pretty positive that they enjoy being in this bigger space. Correct? Like they feel like they can come to the centralized location, kind of take it over for the weekend. I feel like there's some positivity around the partnership that we have. Uh, with you guys. Yeah. I mean, certainly there is a lot of positivity from the community about space. They really enjoy the, uh, you know, the option to have everything in one location. Yeah. Which is, is a challenge for events when you, um, when you grow to a bigger size. Yeah. Uh, And uh, Congress center being the size that it is allows us to pull off the event that we want. Um, in one location as opposed to trying to spread it out in multiple or cap attendance, which is the other alternative. Yeah, which is, which is a, a, a group like yours. You don't want to do that. I mean, you want to yeah. be able to grow as much as you can. And a place like us that has multiple buildings that, like you said, you're using two for the first time, you know, we're using just B, but just all of B. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All of B, which is huge, which is a big, yeah. which is it's basically, big it's almost twice as much space as Hall A. It's not quite, but yeah. you know. So, you know, you know, kind of working with us. I mean, I, I know that, you know, we, 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 we view you guys as, as partners and, and excited to have this relationship with you, you know, kind of, you know, working with us and, and, and kind of how, How's that relationship, you know, through the last five or six years that you have? Well, I, you know, it's been a challenge with COVID. I mean, yeah. that's just an honest truth of the matter. Uh, and, and certainly I, I understand and respect that the Congress Center has faced its own set of challenges in this time period as well. Um, it's difficult for the entire industry. Um, you know, it, it, we started in obviously in 2015 and we've, you know, in that time period, work with some incredible people. Um, and in 2022, uh, it's, it's kind of like almost having to relearn the whole thing because mm-hmm. we are working uh, again after, because we would have happened in May of 2022. And uh, we were scheduled to happen in May of 2021 as well, which we did not because of COVID. Uh, and so it, had we had we been slightly earlier in 2020, like if we had been in February of 2020, and if we had been in August of 2021, we probably would have had events, but we ended up not having events for two years. And it's a bit, it's a bit, it's, it's a little bit different to work with the Congress Center when, when you guys have had so many changes as well. Mm-hmm. And so as we go into uh, this year, we, we face new challenges. We face uh, continued hardship over, um, the, you know, the fact that we've not really had revenue as an event for a few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping for the best when it comes to, um, coordinating and, and having on site, we did have a small event in December, which was, um, something we, we did, uh, essentially in just a small part of Hall A, not even taking over what we're used to in Hall A, but it was a really effective way of kind of getting uh, a lot of our our team 
re-engaged in the event process in preparation for return in 2022. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was overall good experience working with the Congress Center, uh, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, despite it, you know, and it, we're still going to be in a pandemic when we go into uh, our 2022 event. And we're confident about the Congress Center's ability to, you know, hold a safe event in that mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, absolutely. So the 2022 event coming up in a couple of weeks, you know, are there, are there big changes? I mean, I know Building B is a big change, but, you know, what what will guests expect? Uh, more the same or is there new stuff this year? Uh, so we do have some new content planned, but I, I will be remiss not coming away from a conversation about COVID, not to mention one, one change that we've made um, for this year, uh, which is that we will require masks for attendees is our decision, not the counter center's decision for, for reference for anybody listening. Uh, we, we did that because it's kind of uh, both an expectation from our broader community. And, you know, we want to just make sure that we're able to adjust to working in a pandemic. You know, it's, it's, it's still weird. Uh, we're not out of it yet. And when we talk about having 30,000 or more people in one space, it, it feels prudent to make that decision. Yeah. Uh, I, I certainly respect the events that make different decisions, but that's the decision that we've made for our event for this year. When we look at some new things we, we are adding, um, we've expanded our exhibit hall, added a, a bunch more vendors, companies, presence, and we've added a few new content. One, one of the things that we've had for years is physical arts, which, which we broadly encompass multiple facets into this category of content. Uh, it kind of started with the idea of having martial arts demonstrations like karate, oh, cool. taekwondo, and, and, and even incorporating that into fandom. Like when years ago, when we brought out an Avatar The Last Airbender and taken martial arts forms and incorporated it into animation, we brought in the people who actually choreographed the martial arts for the animation. That's you know, awesome. So, you know, more broadly, that physical arts. One of the things that has seen a, a tremendous growth in recent years is the, the broader world of professional wrestling. And uh, we've seen it, wrestling crossover with fandom where wrestlers like Xavier Woods, we started having out in 2016, would go on and wrestle, you know, in, in WWE matches, you know, will sometimes be dressed as an anime character. Yeah. And he will have, along with his group, uh, a Twitch broadcast up, up, down, down. And we've seen an overall trend in, in wrestling that they've reached out to the fan community, incorporated it, and had wrestlers in that space. And what, what we've seen is that more of our base wants more wrestling content. So we, it, it may seem to people who are not familiar with wrestling or fandom, may seem like different audiences. But what we're doing is just slightly expanding our audience to incorporate a wrestling ring, some past professional wrestlers, uh, as guests. Uh, and we are uh, excited to have that as a new aspect that'll be available in kind of like our part of our exhibit hall. And so that's one of the new pieces. And we've got a lot of new partners, new uh, video game tournaments and competitions. In 2019, we held one of the largest Smash Brothers ultimate competitions in the entire world. Uh, I think we were the fifth largest in the entire world. And so we continue hosting that and so new video game titles and, and professional competitions. Uh, we've 
greatly expanded our space going to Hall B and allowed us to further segment some things that needed better separation, like our tabletop games. Uh, Previous years, tabletop wasn't that far away from the video games. And if anybody knows anything about video games, they tend to be noisy. And you know what tabletop games don't like? It's a lot of noise. So if you're trying to play a game of, let's say, Settlers of Catan or something, you're not wanting to have a video game blasting. Near yeah. So uh, we've been able to better segment those areas uh, in Hall B. And, uh, you know, we are excited to be able to, you know, have people who are interested in tabletop not be blasted by noise, but then gamers in the video game sense uh, not be, you know, restricted in any way either, where they've expanded space as well. So we're excited about the new opportunities in space there. Yeah. So it seems like, you know, you you guys work very hard, not necessarily to be a niche audience, correct? I mean, you do a pretty good job of expanding multiple facets within your show. Well, we started as a um, out of the anime club at Georgia Tech, like I mentioned at the start of this conversation, which was the club that hosted meetings where we watched anime as a group. And we would also host video game tournaments on Georgia Tech campus. So anime and video games has been part of our culture over the years, but we've expanded more broadly in animation, which includes your Disney, your SpongeBob, your family guy even, and fandoms exist around those cartoons as well. And we'll bring in voice actors who've done those been in Disney movies. We've had Disney princesses out. Uh, you know, actual voices of Disney princesses. I mean, not, not just the cosplay site. <laughs> um, and we've uh, grown animation as one of our first categories in 2013 when we expanded officially into having content around broader animation. And in 2015, we added comics because we, you know, found that comics, you know, Marvel and DC comics were both becoming more popular, but also strongly resonated with the existing audience we had. So it's, it's not a departure from, you know, if you like anime, you're very likely to like games. Uh, You're very likely to like comics. You're very likely to like these things. So it's not exactly uncommon. And that's kind of how we've made our decision and grow our content is if our existing community already likes something and it doesn't inherently change the fundamental value of the event in some way, um, we will expand into it. And so we made that decision with wrestling as content. That's cool, man. That's it's so it's so interesting to me, you know, to see kind of you know what all is out there and and seeing like you said cosplay and seeing your guests come out and it really is a cool event and and I know that we're we're happy to be a part of it. Is before I let you go, is there anything else you want to mention? Anything else you'd like to say? Um, uh, well, I, I do. I want to just highlight that we you know we've tried to to do a lot of things around the content piece, right? Uh, we have tons of programming. And what may not be clear is we're using literally every single meeting room in Hall B as well. Yeah. And that's because we'll, we'll generate over four days about 800 hours of content. Um, that means programming with speakers and guests. And, and we have a lot of celebrity guests, but not only celebrity guests, we'll bring out industry speakers who are very knowledgeable about things will host events like a career fair. Uh, we will, we will go and it's not, it's not just about a weekend of celebrating fandom. It's also about a weekend of getting a chance to experience things that are essentially, um, you know, 
uh, you know, increasing education, increasing experience, increasing, uh, you know, the overall appreciation of fandom and maybe even picking up one or two new fandoms that you didn't know. Uh, and and we, we try to do that. I think it's one of the reasons I wanted to highlight that here at the end is that I think a lot of people, when they think about an event like MumbleCon, they think people come to dress up for a little bit and, you know, maybe meet a celebrity and leave. And there are events out there where, you know, the primary goal of the event is to meet William Shatner or something and then leave. <laughs> You're there. I want to see William Shatner, get his autograph and picture, and then I'm done. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that separates our event a little bit more differently is that we're a four-day event. And, and the vast majority of our attendees will at least attend three days of those four days. Uh, and that's like 70% of our attendance attends three days. And, and they're there. Uh, and they are spending the whole day there and they're wearing multiple cosplays. If they're wearing cosplay, they're, they're there not just to meet the, you know, celebrities. We do have over a hundred different celebrity guests, but uh, we are, we are about the content and the culture. And we've created an experience that people can, uh, as I kind of mentioned earlier, set aside all of the real world problems uh, for four days and just kind of like enjoy something that they're passionate about. Awesome. And that's kind of the core value of what we've been able to accomplish with Momoka. And I just want to make sure that that came across in a, in a clear way. It's not just about coming in, buying some stuff and leaving. It's about allowing yourself to enjoy something for, you know, four days. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Um, where can, where can listeners find out more information about Momoka? Yeah. So, um, uh, Momocon.com and that's M O M O C O N. Uh, .com. Uh, and we are going to be happening May 26th through 29th, Memorial Day weekend, um, in uh, Hall B of the Georgia World Congress Center. Um, and I'll, I'll leave, uh, leave listeners here as one other thing in case you're curious. Uh, the name Momo, it means peach in Japanese. Uh, and so being in Georgia and being started here in Georgia, um, Georgia being the peach state for those adults that are not from here. Uh, that's the reason that we're a Momoka. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, good luck with your fans this year.